Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. I'm the host of the show, Neil Haley. You can go to my website, TotalTutor.net, for more information. Twitter, TotalTutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, TotalTutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google+, and also on Periscope, at TotalTutor. And uh, it's, again, the Just Two Choices celebrity segment. So I still want first want to welcome the program my co-host, Rico Rakoski. Rico, how are you, man? And I know you're excited about our guest today. I'm super excited, Neil. Thank you, and I hope I've liked you. And uh, it's truly an honor and a privilege to have with us today the author of the number one personal finance book of all time, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which, by the way, worldwide has sold over 30 million copies, published in 53 languages, and is in over 100 countries. Today's guest, author, electrifying entrepreneur, educator, Robert Kiyosaki. Robert, welcome. Semper Fi, and thank you for your services in Recore Aviator. Well, thank you. All right, Robert, we're so excited to have you on the show, and uh, especially uh, at this time, we're looking at our economy and everything like that, Rico. So, Rico, what question do you want to touch upon first with Robert? Well, actually, first of all, I actually want to start start on something in education, Robert, for the sake of discussion here as we get started, a quick background. Both Neil and I have background as entrepreneurs and in education, I'd say supplementing traditional education. Neil is the CEO and founder of his own business, Total Tutor, and uh, the Total Education Network. Graduated from Duquesne, and his dad was a Naval Academy grad. And um, as for myself, I'm very active in STEM education. And for those who aren't familiar with that, science, technology, engineering, and math uh, education in Detroit, associated with the foundation in the auto industry. And I write books and publish books for kids on positive choice. I flew out 16 and then transition to the airlines, and I'm a graduate of the Air Force Academy. So that's kind of our background here as we move into education. Uh, Robert, um, you know, I, um, in your books you talk extensively about the importance of education, very specifically about the enormous importance of financial education. And you've had excellent success with your books and seminars and your games and, and uh, in this topic of financial education. So in the future, how do you see this important life skill, financial education, getting out there for the population or implemented? Is it going to stay grassroots, or do you have other ideas for how to supplement those ideas? Well, that's a big question. And uh, first of all, congratulations for flying F-16s. I wasn't that good a pilot, so <laughs> I was I was a gunship pilot. I was, I was a little gunship pilot in Vietnam, so we were low and slow. But but anyway, um, I'd like to trade. I'd like to trade a place with you. I think that's a lot of fun, also. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, the problem with education is education, mm-hmm. and what most people don't realize is that going to school actually keeps you poor. Mm. And so, by you know saying, well, how do we solve this problem of the economy and yada yada yada? Well, the problem begins when you advise your child to go to school, get a job. Uh, work hard, save money, get out of debt, and invest in the long term in the stock market. You know, that's where it begins. And as long as you think that dogma or that mantra is smart, then you'll never become rich. So it's only until you break out of that dogma wow. do you actually begin to see a new world. And that's where the problems begin. The problem is our school system. It's obsolete. It's out of date. And, <laughs> and Robert, because especially I talk education all the time. I mean, when, when there there's not a mindset of specifically uh, thinking out of the box, looking at leader, developing leaders in school, and teaching them more than just "Hey, go get, go ahead, work hard, keep getting educated, and get a job." That's going to continue to put us in this financial debt, isn't it, Robert? 
That's correct. It's that uh, it's the, the and when they talk about the income gap, well, the gap mm-hmm. be- begins in that gap between your ears, and what are we filling the kids' brains <laughs> with? And that's where it begins, because right. you know the story of rich dad, poor dad. My poor dad was a PhD, went you know University of Hawaii, Stanford, Northwestern, and all that stuff. But he died a poor man, good man, hardworking. Whereas my rich dad was an entrepreneur and never went to school. But he says, you know, he says if you go to school, you'll work for me because he was an entrepreneur and our schools train you to be employees. And that's where the divide begins. So as you know, the one reason people are poor is because chapter one, lesson one in Rich Dad, Poor Dad says the rich don't work for money. So if you're an employee or self-employed like a doctor, you pay the highest taxes around. <laughs> right. I think yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Whereas myself <laughs> as a professional investor, I pay zero tax and, and legally, illegally, but uh, yeah. So I get ahead 10 times faster because I can make, let's say, a million dollars and pay zero tax. Wow. And well, well, Robert, you know, as, as, yeah. as you talk about those kind of things, you know, about 20 years ago when you first introduced this idea of financial education, you know, the importance of financial education, Rich said, Board that, you were considered to be way out there. Yeah. Yet, you know, these eyes, you know, what's happening today in our reality, as Neil, if you and Neil have talked about here, is that... Um, you know, there's this importance of financial education is coming around. I mean, can you can you see a change at all from from 20 years ago when you first introduced this and then everybody said you were crazy to how the idea is being entertained today, or are they still saying it about the same as they did 20 years ago? Okay. Mm-hmm. They tell you don't make mistakes. They punish you for making mistakes. Mm-hmm. I was reading this article about from the so-called academic who says you can't learn from making mistakes. Oh, jeez. And, and you know what I'm going, you know, when I was a kid, I learned to walk because I fell down. Mm-hmm. And when I touched the yeah. stove, I understood yeah. what my mother said, don't touch the stove. You know? Right. <laughs> and, but yet yeah. school teachers really think you have to have the right answer. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, you become like my poor dad, great man, PhD. He had all the answers, but he was terrified of doing something because he might make a mistake. On the other hand, as a pilot, how many drills and practice runs did you do every day? It, that's exactly it. The real every thing. day, every like day, I practiced. Every day. Yeah. yeah, every day, all I did was practice. When I played football, we practiced five days a week mm-hmm. to play a one-hour game. Right. And so the way you get smarter is by making mistakes. mistakes right. And, and once once you can understand that you're supposed to encourage a child to make mistakes and learn from your mistakes, then you have a smarter child. But the kid that does the best in the school is a kid with the best memory. Yes. And as you know, as a pilot, you know, a lot of those guys who are great academic students were not great pilots. You know what I mean? Either you had it or you didn't have it. it so, yeah. And that's, that's a, the problem. It's truly the problem, Robert. And I think when you said about not making mistakes with this teaching of the test system, Common Core, I have a specific situation where all that matters is one standardized test throughout the year. They're not teaching and one, answer. Kids, one answer, exactly, and one answer, exactly. one answer. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. you run into a situation that that 
all that matters is those test scores and right. and they don't mean anything and as you said in research before in one of your books I remember Robert you said you know C students are more successful down the line or even B you know and not just C but ones that you know made it not really education really wasn't for them once they were able to think out of the box think for themselves come up with things that you know a lot of people get out of your comfort zone in specific ways they're the most successful people Robert correct well yeah. You know, I got the, I had to I had to plagiarize that from a man, man named Albert Einstein. You know, he said imagination <laughs> is more important than knowledge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and I was, and as an entrepreneur, as you know, right, you got to have multiple right answers. Yes, you do. And one answer one answer doesn't work. You got to do the next one immediately. You know, and learn, and it's almost a process of eliminating. Because you have to try it first, Robert, and so many people are fearful to try it first and to make a mistake. So if they make it, and well, that's, that's how we're programmed in schools. Well, that's yeah, the, right. the reason for that is you bring program from academia to corporate. Mm-hmm. And in corporate, you make a mistake, you're fired. Right, exactly, yeah. So that's why we have all these people who are you know, emotionally constipated, just hanging on to job security, <laughs> or terrified of making mistakes. And then they try and become an entrepreneur, and they wonder why they fail. Well, because entrepreneurship is a system of failing faster and standing up again. <laughs> right. So that's why that's yeah. why C students do better than A students. In fact, A students work for C students. Yes, <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> and, and you know, Robert, I've been working for over twenty years in my days off from flying, both when I was in the military and out of the military, flying out for the airlines and stuff with. STEM education, and it seems as if you know we're making some kind of headway as a supplement to the educational system because we're busy teaching testing. Um, do you think that there is possibility that there would be an, an, um, an, a need? I know you're trying to do it with your with your uh, company uh, or a way of reaching more kids earlier with regard to this financial education as it's a, a supplement to the population, just like you know, um, just like STEM education or just like with with um, with Neil, you know, he tutors he tutors kids, which is outside the system. Do you think there's a place for that that could make some a dent in this challenge we have? Well, 20 years ago, I designed the Rich Dad Company to bypass the schools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, I'm, so, I'm with you. So that's why I created the cash. I started with the cash flow board game in '96. Is that the board game teaches income, expenses, assets, and liability, basic financial statement stuff, not this FICO score crap. Right, right. You know, so it teaches you income, expense, asset, liabilities, but it encourages you to make mistakes by the game. It teaches you debt and all this. Mm-hmm. So basically what happens is the kids teach themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's what the cash flow game was designed for. And then from there, I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad to supplement the game. So oh, wow. I just bypassed it, and I don't. I don't really want to go and talk to the school teachers because that's like talking to my father. <laughs> <laughs> so you hope that they come to you and, and read you your books and stuff. Third time, I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, the, 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 the game will allow you to make as many mistakes until you win. Mm-hmm. And that not that winning is that important, but it's sure better than losing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and, and we're limiting a lot of the competition, Robert, in our schools today. That's a, another big thing that since, uh, you know, you you came out with the, the book about C students and A students, th- things have gotten worse in education, and now competition and kids that are very talented are not 
you know, encouraged to become better and better at what they do. They're, they're slowing down. So I guess what you're saying specifically enough is people need to get educated to a point, then they need to get on their own. And the only way to stay is through entrepreneurship, through entrepreneurship, right? Robert, working for somebody else is just going to constantly keep you in debt and stuff, right? No, it doesn't. It really has, you know, I could be an employee and still be rich. It's just, the, the second thing that besides making mistakes is you have to look at your environment. You know, like school is the most oppressive environment for me. Right. Yet for the A student, it's heaven. So for one student, it's heaven, yeah. another student, it's hell. Like you look at flying, that environment, my spirit came out. I'm sure yours did too. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was beyond yeah. love. Yet for other guys, yeah. it was horrible. I mean, I remember these guys, they, they couldn't sleep at night. They didn't want to take the next flight in the morning. You know, they were terrified. And then when, I got, when we got to Vietnam, that's where the rubber met the road. And there were some guys who could not handle the environment of combat, mm-hmm. whereas other guys loved it. So that's the, the issue of environment. So the other thing a person does is they find the environment that their spirit thrives in. You know, for some guys, like, you know, this guy Bob Costas, who does all the sports and all that, right. I mean, that guy's got the dream job. He, he loves sports, he talks sports, he goes to sports. You know, that's his place. So the child should be encouraged to seek environment, not a job. Uh, I love that. You, so, you, so it's more the passion, what they love to do, and become the very best at it, Robert, correct? Well, it's yeah. the environment. You environment. know, like, I loved football. Mm-hmm. And I love rugby. I didn't like ping pong, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not my game. Does that make sense? Because I love hitting people. But I went out for soccer, and I couldn't hit the guys. So I said, no, I think I'll stay with rugby. <laughs> so the environment. Interesting. It's the playing field of what you do and an everyday basis and how it fits right. for you and the environment. You know, when you find your environment and your game, you're, you've got it made, man. And see, and, and that's that's the yeah. interesting question. I think Robert, I finally found my environment. I tried to. I was a professional wrestler at one point in time, a school teacher, two wrestling two different ways, for sure, wrestling kids in the classroom of thirty and stuck in walls or getting beat up in the ring. To my environment now, where I, I I thrive in it, where it's I would say it's unstructured but structured, and I'd say it's it's always moving, and that's where I can do any type of job that I do for my business individually or manage or coach. And it, it's, it feels it, it, it's, it's a fit. So what advice would you offer parents for their kids regarding that to say, Hey, let, try to f- help, help, help them find their environment instead of, we always well, look for, at, yeah. Well, first of all, when I meet young kids that come up to me, say they want to drop out of school. I said, well, you know, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And, and they go, but you don't uh-huh. like school. And I said, yeah, but in school you learn to like <laughs> And then when you look at life, I'm dealing, I said school is good training to do, otherwise you become one. So if it makes sense, you know, for the parent to have the kid sit there in a cubicle and, you know, graduate to a cubicle, then that's what they want for their kid. If the kid loves it, they're, they're in hog's heaven. But, you know, like, as you know, the happiest time of my life was flight school. Mm. You know, I studied in the morning and flew in the afternoon. You know, I, I thought I died and went to heaven. And then, you know, when, by the time I got to Vietnam, I was ready to fight. But there are yeah. guys who just never had it. You know what I'm talking about? They, they, they stayed behind yeah. to become instructors because. But there were guys who wanted to fight, 
And so combat was my environment. I loved it. So other guys came back with PTSD, and I came back depressed going, hey, what happened? <laughs> I, and, and I didn't like flying after that exactly because it was too controlled. Wow. You know, I, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't call ATC and you know vector in there and do all this. I said I'm out of here. So mm-hmm. it's it, I became very cognizant of environment. When you look at guys like let's say Thomas Edison, his genius came out in a laboratory. Right. And you know and a guy like Big Jagger, you know, he was an economist and an accountant, but his genius came out on stage. And that's what I'm talking about. Wow. They should make the child aware. Yeah that there are different environments, and they got to find that for themselves. School is one environment. It's, it's a hostile environment, in my opinion. It's a cruel environment. But you deal with idiots, and that's what it's good for. So I guess, Rico, what Robert's trying to say for our listeners out there is they have to go to school, but don't go forever. What, Rico, you know what we're seeing a lot, and I'm sure Robert will touch upon this, the career student that constantly goes back to school instead of going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I know, you know, the, the National Merit Scholar, the National Merit Scholar winner in my school, you know, he's still there. He never graduated. You know, he's got more degrees after his name than anything else. And that's his environment. He likes and his the environment. And yeah. the teachers loved him and all this stuff, you know. They hated me, loved him. Because <laughs> <laughs> you speak the truth, Robert, for sure. Right, Rico? <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah. What, it's yeah. when I talk to kids. You know, you know the other thing I, I like that you brought up too, Robert, when you're going through your, your books as well. And I, I really, I like your writing style. It's, it's really clear. It's, it's direct. You know, I oh, uh, thank you. I, and I, and what I also appreciate about your writing style is that when you talk about these subjects, with whether it's educators or it's about you know your dad or your rich dad, you talk about it always in a balanced way. There's no jabbing. There's no, you know, poking at anybody. You, you present both sides, I think, very fairly, um, so that as a reader, you want to keep going through the book and saying, okay, let me take a look at that as well. And so um, so that was just an aside that popped into my mind, because I, I really appreciate that, that oh, way of writing. And the other thing that, and, and the other thing that comes to mind goes back to aviation, but, um, but it also pertains to anything in life. I like how you emphasize in your books the importance of practice. Now, I, I hadn't thought of it until I look at your books, and you go, yeah, in school, you're, you're testing. You're not really practicing for anything. No. No. I mean, I, I shouldn't say practicing for anything, but how you have to have this, this point at which you jump off to get real-life experience and make that part of your life to integrate it with the fundamentals that you, you, know, that you learned in school. And it, it, is, it just comes down to the quality, the quality of your choice of practice. Well, the, the what, unfortunately, what the child learns is that making mistakes make you stupid. Mm-hmm. That's the takeaway. That's true. If yeah. you make mistakes, you're yeah. stupid. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me, because if you look at reality, the guys that make the most most mistakes are the biggest winners. For example, you know, look at Michael Jordan. He got cut from his first team, but he never stopped practicing. Yeah. You know, this this guy, Tiger Woods, he never stops practicing. You know, you, the, right. the, great, the great actors and actresses are always at rehearsal. You know, and then they go but on it's, stage. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that people don't make that connection. You know, an Olympic athlete is there because of the practice, but they don't make that connection to success in life. It's such an obvious, you know, connection. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have to be, you know, I remember when I went off of football as a fat kid, the first thing they say was start running. I'm going, what? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know what I mean? It's that's what you learn in real learning environments. Yes. The same as like flight school. I studied in the morning and flew in the afternoon. You know, I I, I had a what they, we took in the Navy. They're called downs, and you downed. And so I just went back and practiced, and then they let me fly again. You know, it's it's how we learn. Yeah, and I would agree with you with all yeah. making mistakes. At times, I would get frustrated by it because, again, we group people based on their ability academically. And then the ones that don't make mistakes, don't study hard, are the ones that keep moving up the ladder in the school system. However, once they get to college, that changes in certain ways. And that the ones that thrive at least to get their degree and move on to their career and their environment, and not they learn to work hard once they got there. So looking at SAT scores, Robert, looking at ACT scores, and guaranteed that's going to mean that that student's going to graduate from college and move on to a good career. Is false completely, and that's the. Well, let, that's, me, yeah. let, me, let, me, yeah. let me take you. So, Good and as an investor, because I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur, I can fix the company, or I can fix the real estate. I'm hands-on, means I'm active, not passive. I have control of my investments. I control the taxes and the debt ratios. But the average person has no idea. Did you know that 30% of most funds and ETFs don't even turn a profit? All right, Rico. What a, um, we finish up the show, Robert, always with uh, a very, very interesting question. And that question is basically a survey, Robert. And Rico, go ahead and give them the survey. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, Robert. Um, one of uh, I have a couple of books out for kids. My latest book, that um, actually the third edition of the book that's out, is called Just Two choices. So in every moment, I mean, it's the only time you have is right here, right now. You have just two choices. You know, you either flip the switch on or leave it off. You know what I mean? And so life, you just make, take a step that's incrementally closer to what you want to achieve, or you're going to take a step that's incrementally further away from what you want to achieve. So uh, the thought here is, and I notice you use the word, as I read your books, you use the word choice and choose and chose a lot in your books. How much or what percentage, this is the question we ask everybody, what percentage of life that you feel is choice and what percentage of life do you feel is circumstances? It depends upon the individual, whether they're active or proactive, whether they're mm-hmm. inactive or proactive. For example, I'll often do something just to make a mistake. Hmm. I'll, I will oh, go okay. into what I, I deem as the unknown and because mm-hmm. it's in the unknown is where you find life. You find answers. Mm-hmm. But most people will choose what they know, which means they're not active. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're the kind of person that just, it's, you, it's life is about choice, is what, but the percentage what Rico's trying to talk about, how much of your life is making a choice? A lot of it. Most of the All, you, all the time. All the time. So, our, our, yes, where's the best that's place? The difference. Yeah, definitely. Where's the best place we can find information on you, purchase your book, and learn more about you, all your different projects? I know new books are coming out for you, Robert. Tell us all that different stuff, and then specifically enough, uh, anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Well, there's a we have richdad.com. But you gave us a great perspective on education, something to definitely bring up uh, with my wife in their discussion because, again, she was getting uh, trained on another one of the methods uh, through because uh, she teaches kindergarten and the school's trying to go more business level and leadership level. And you are speaking more to the terms of specifically enough the environment. I think it's a great thing because we, aren't all, we can't all be individualistic in the same yeah. in so many ways. So, Robert, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. 
Keep up the good work, you guys. Thank right. you, Robert. Take care. Thanks. See you. Okay, right, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. All right, that was again uh, live with uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Take care, everyone, and we'll talk very soon later today. Take care, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back to the O'Haley Show, and my guest today is Alexi Bracey. She is a health and wellness expert with two decades of experience how are you, Alexi? Thanks for stopping by. And, you know, such an important thing, health and wellness. And I think we miss the boat. We get it maybe educated a little bit in high school. Then we just go on and say, ah, do we have to see the doctor every year? And we really don't take care of our health and our wellness. And there's two different things defining both. So define what health is, and then we'll go to wellness. Because sometimes well, we get them mixed up. You know, we put them together. And so they're two different things sometimes. Well, health is usually... Your physical, your physical state, um, what you feed your body, um, that kind of thing. Whereas wellness is more mental and emotional. You know, the thoughts you have, the things you see, what you listen to, um, you know, the drama and trauma in your life. Right. Okay. So I would never have known that. So you hear health and wellness all the time. So wellness is all that. And that's one that a lot of people don't take care of is the wellness. Oh, without, and that I leads doubt. to bad health, right? When you don't have good wellness, it will lead to health issues, right? That's right. So you're going through that process. What do you think in the years you've seen changes in this industry working with people? Um, people are more aware of their health in terms of what, you know, better foods to eat, but they're neglecting their wellness part. You know, we've got so much um, anxiety and depression and suicides and feelings of lack of worth just pervasive and you know the happiness uh, report comes out every every four years and it just came out a few few months ago and the happiness levels on the planet have plummeted 25 percent people are not happy they're always complaining and blaming this that or the other and that's terrible and it's definitely has to do with covid and they were stuck and not being able to socialize and a lot of places still haven't gone back to the socialization thing that's very true very true. And, you know, it really changed people's lives incredibly. So, you know, um, it's up to us as individuals or as a society or as a community or as a family um, to, 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 to change things because it's the trickle effect, you know, just a random act of kindness, a smile, a kind gesture means so much to, to people because you don't know what is going on in their life. You just have no idea. Do you think in like, let's say North America and how the older population is growing so, so much, right? And they're, they're, they're a huge, they, they dominate populations in a lot of areas. And after COVID, they've really forgotten how to go out and socialize as much. Would you agree? Oh, very much so. People are sort of sticking, you know, by themselves and social isolation kills people, period. I mean, that's why it's really hard for people that are in solitary confinement in prison. Because you need social interaction, no matter what your environment is. Right. And if you don't have that social interaction, forget about it. And what what's the power of it? I think that, you know, when we went to work remote, that's another big issue. 
how do people that work remote all day really get to invite socialization? So for example, I'm on Zooms all day. I'm doing podcasts all day. I'm on Zoom. When I get to get out, I feel like I'm out of prison in a way, meaning just to finally get socialized with people. Even if it's going out to the grocery store, even if it's going out working out, not working out from home, going out on social gatherings, such a fun thing, going to a bar, experiencing things that we just weren't experiencing during COVID. But oh, you, have to, you have to make that mode because our young people today don't even do that. They live online and they don't even decide to meet till they finally meet up. So it's more and more time in isolation. Oh, without a doubt. You know, you have to make it a point. Self-care. Make a point of self-care once a week. Even if it's having a bath and not socializing. But make a point because everybody's in the same boat. So just think, you know, I've got three or four friends. They're probably just as isolated as I am. Let's get together. You know, have a potluck dinner. Go out for a movie. Do some, some fun things. Walk in nature. Like, just... You have to so you have to take it upon yourself, not somebody else, that I'm going to make a point to socialize for my mental and emotional well-being. Do you think through this process, people are not looking to make themselves happy and they're missing that so much? You yes, know? it's become a habit. It's become a habit. You know, we're just so used to the negativity around us because we've been so programmed. Like when you, when you listen to the news, it's negative news. It's not happy news. When you read the papers, it's the same thing. It's, it's negativity. So we're so conditioned through habits to, to find the negative rather than the good stuff. You know, like, for example, a little girl goes with her grandfather on Sunday afternoon, drives for ice cream and cookies. And one Sunday afternoon, he's sick in bed. So he asks grandma. And so off the two of them go, come back a couple hours later. She goes running up to grandpa, who's still sick in bed. And he says, how was that? And she says, we didn't see any horses ass. The sons of bitches are horse diggers. All grandma did was wave and smile. So as cute as that is, she's learning already to find the negative. That's scary, right? It is yeah. scary. It is scary. And you know, do you think I mean, people more should go for their happiness in their lives, like, and create things and be able to say, I, you know, even if I don't have a job I love, I got to figure out things to do to make myself happy? Oh, absolutely. Like, even do, like, I do, like, you know, people may think they're silly things, but like, we're all energy frequency beings. So when we're negative, we lower that frequency and lower frequencies invite disease. Yeah. So, for example, I have two dogs. I'm walking my dogs and people go, oh, your dogs are so beautiful. I say, yeah, it runs in the family just to give them something to smile about. You know, um, I used to be a chef. So I hand out these little, little um, two desserts and a little Ziploc bag because happiness in your tummy goes a long way. So I just hand them out to strangers and people are going to think, oh, I remember that lady. She, she really made me feel good that day because maybe something traumatic happened in their life. Maybe they lost a job or a loved one. So little random acts of kindness go a long way because you don't know what's going behind that face. And we all have drama, tragedy, grief going on. We all do. We think it, let's think about the frequency now, right? And 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 the, the frequency, when you talk about frequency, kind of define, you know, what we're, we're thinking about when we're talking about frequency, like the kind of explain that more to me when you have negative feelings, what that brings about around our environment and everything when we're negative. Well, like for example, uh, Dr. Moto had a very well-known experiment. He took a glass of water and wrote happy under the glass of water. He took another glass of water, wrote hate under it. 
put it underneath. Then he froze it and looked under a microscope at the frozen crystals that the happy water had and the, the hate water had. The one with the happy water was all beautiful snowflakes and the one with the hate was our gnarled and just fro a frozen mass. So it's the same thing when we're fed negativity, when we think negativity, the frequencies, the energies in our systems are suppressed. And according to David Hawkins on the happiness spectrum, the higher frequency we are, not that, to say that we have to be enlightened, but we vibrate joy, happiness, we're going to live longer, you know, as opposed to people that are thinking negativity and, and poor me and fear and anger, they're going to live a shorter period of time because an illness or a disease may set in, or they're maybe prone, more prone to an accident. All right. Where's the best place? P oh, yeah. Also, you're going to be speaking at a summit for Patient World. What's your signature talking to me on? It's going to be on environmental toxins in the home. All right. And that, again, go to, again, you could go check out patientworld.net right now, and you'll be able to find out when the event is. And uh, where can we find information on you? Um, best place is my app, which is Whole Health Academy. Or LinkedIn is a really good site. I really like LinkedIn. So Alexi Bracey at LinkedIn. All right. Thanks, Alexi. We appreciate it. Great conversation. Take care. My pleasure. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to The Neil Haley Show. And I'm excited to welcome my co-host, Pamela Loya. Pamela, how are you? Again, soul angel and author and writing coach. Yeah, I know you're excited about our guest today. I am. Thanks for allowing me to co-host today. And today we have Brenda Lise Acosta with us. She is a holistic transformational coach who helps women discover the inner worth and their inner worth and embrace their inter, inner entrepreneurship through mindset and behavior changes. Welcome to the show, Brenda Lise. Thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about mindset, how important mindset is in everything that we do, because if our, our energy is not there, it's just not it's just gonna not work as an entrepreneur it truly won't so the, so for me the biggest learning in my journey has been that if the way i think about myself is not in alignment with my higher purpose then my actions are not going to be in alignment with my higher purpose so if you're constantly thinking about the past if you're constantly letting experiences from the past or maybe some beliefs you may have acquired over life over your lifetime if you let that be guiding your actions every single day then you're not going to get the results that you're looking for no you definitely are not going to get the results you're looking for and you're going you're to be a lot of a lot of disappointment and so let's talk about the law of attraction versus mindset this is a really good good because you can go two different angles you can be straight <laughs> mindset Okay, I'm going to mm -hmm. have goals written down. I'm going to think positively. I'm going to say I'm going to have all the success. And yet certain things in your subconscious is not there, right? Versus the law of attraction. How would you define the differences? Because the law of attraction goes into so many laws, so many different things, not just the secret. There's so much more to it. Let's kind of go to that kind of uh, comparison. So let me give you an example. Last year when I lost my job, I had read all the books. I knew that I needed to maintain a high vibration in order for me to create the life I wanted. However, what was happening is my emotions were getting on the way. I was 
like all the baggage I had acquired over time came back fierce with a vengeance. And none of that was allowing me to maintain the vibration I needed to be able to manifest, right? Until I was able to work on those emotions, until I was able to work on those beliefs I had acquired about myself, I could not change my life. So when we think about manifestation, I think the biggest thing that we need to think of is I manifest what I'm in alignment with. And if I don't believe what I want, it's possible it's not going to happen. So, for example, if I'm saying I'm going to win the lottery tomorrow or I'm going to go play the lottery, I'm going to win the lottery. But deep down inside, I say that's BS. That's not going to happen because if you win the lottery, you're going to be miserable because if you if you win the lottery, uh, you're not going to be able people are, are going to be using you. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? I'll never win the lottery. It's not going to happen. So if I don't have the mindset, if I don't have the right beliefs, and if deep down inside unconsciously, I don't believe it's possible, it will not happen. So I'm liking how you connect mindset with the law of attraction. Now, what about mindset people that don't connect the law of attraction? It's just all their mind they believe. They have that belief system, but yet they're not looking at vibrations. They're not looking at who they're surrounding themselves. They're not looking at all those things. They have to be in the line then, right? You could have really good mindset yet have negative thoughts, negative, like different things, but you believe it, you know, you can do it, be successful, but yet your, your whole rest of your life's chaos. There ha so, you know what I'm saying? So, you so can yeah. So you're, you're doing good here, but here you're miserable is what you're right. saying, right? Right. So the best way for me to describe this is attachment. So I, and my husband is an amazing manifestator. And he never intends to manifest on purpose. He just said, I want this or, ah, what if God or the universe sends me this? And all of a sudden, like something magical happens and it, and it comes into our life. Why? Because he has zero attachment to it. Now, in other things that he really wants, that he has that deep, deep rooted belief or attachment to it, they don't happen as easy as these dumb manifestations that he has. So... Fast forward. So I'm going to give you an example. So he, we were in our house in New Jersey. He wanted a strip of metal. He needed to fix a air, air duct. And he said, well, you know what? I'm not going to go buy it. It's, I'm not going to pay for a big portion of a metal piece just for a strip. I know it, this will get to me. It will happen. He completely forgot. Disattached completely. He didn't care how it happened. He had no attachments to it. Okay, so... And then all of a sudden, fast forward, three weeks after, yeah. it was in our road. The piece of metal, exactly how he wanted, it was in front of our house. Oh, my God. Okay, so that's so define attachment. What is a negative attachment that causes us not to get what we want or desire? It's when you try to... Con attachment is control. So it's trying to control the outcome. So if you want something and all of a sudden you find yourself saying, oh, but this is not going to happen or I want it to happen this way. But in order for this to happen, it has to happen in a certain way. Now you're attached to how the outcome is going to Oh, that's going to be hard as an entrepreneur. And I'm going to finish up this interview because it's a short one, but we definitely have to talk again about this. So like giving you an example, you put together and create this amazing team and I'm creating a media giant, but I'm thinking about, is this going to work? How is this going to happen? And what are these things? No, I'm just doing it. And it, it happens. That's all. I come up with something, I plan and say, let's go for it. We'll figure out what happens in it. 
You don't have to over plan. You have to overthink and say, this is not going to work out. I'm a little concerned about this or that. That's how I've been changing things. The quantum trust leap, your intuition. The, 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 the quantum leap is the big thing. You have to have a quantum leap for all these things together. It doesn't have to. So a lot of coaches teach you, like in business coaches, it's got to be this way or nothing. Sorry. It's not how it works. That's not how it works. And at the end of the day, always remember this. We always have the questions inside of us. We just need to listen. We forget intuition. that we Our intuition. listen. Right, exactly. And when we just feel it, we feel it. And then whatever the outcome happens, oh, well, I put it out there and it happened. But we don't, exactly. say, we don't, we don't ever say it's going to be a negative outcome, but we put it out there. If it happens, yes, I know it will. Now, if it didn't, there was another thing that was coming. That's Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That's and that's mindset. So again, I love that definition. Best place people can find information on you. Great conversation we had. Where can people go to learn more about you? Um, I in Instagram, I'm be you with Brenda Liz in Instagram, and also in LinkedIn. Like I'm really active in LinkedIn lately. So just Brenda Liz Acosta in LinkedIn. All right. Well, we appreciate it. such a great conversation. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to The Neil Haley Show and also the media giant effect. I'm excited to welcome the program, Alan Knight. Alan, entrepreneur, author. How are you, Alan? Thanks for stopping by, man. I'm doing well, Neil. How are you doing? Fantastic. And our topic today, we're going to talk about assertive confidence when we're presenting, when we're trying to potentially have somebody buy something from us when we're just basically every day working with our clients. The sort of a confidence is very important, isn't it? Okay, not just that, you know, but also dating, parenting, any relationship. Most people are being uh, getting into dysfunctional relationships, partly because they're not communicating with the confidence and assertiveness they need to earn that respect. So it could apply to anyone. All right. So let's kind of talk about defining assertive confidence, first of all. Well, the reason I put those two words together is for years, I, I lived, I think you, I told you that I lived as a, a Zen monk for nine years of my life. Then I, when I left the monastery, I realized that accessing the Zen zone and that mindset is important. But unless you integrate it with every aspect of your life, it was going to be limited. And I realized that the future of the world was going to be entrepreneurship. I was very fascinated with the whole concept of attracting deep connections, soul, heart-centered connections. Soulmate revolution is part of what I do. And so I knew that confidence was a big part of what I teach, but then the communication skills also are important. They need to be combined. So assertiveness is when people take their confidence and put it into practice in their daily communication with other people. So I'm asserting myself with inner confidence and I bridge the two together. So what are people, why aren't people showing assertive confidence? Give me an example of what, someone who doesn't show assertive confidence, let's say uh, while presenting versus somebody who does. Can you give me that example to see? Well, the simplest one, the most fun one is going on a date. Okay. I remember, I remember in my young years and I, women considered me relatively attractive kind of guy. I met them, I, I get, again, I, I go to first base, have a date, and then with a short period of time, they lost interest in me. And if I'd see someone that was really attracted to, my insecurity and fear would kick in because I thought, she's she, I'm not good enough for her. My brother, I lived in the shadow of my brother, who was Mr. Everybody, medical school, great athlete, really good looking. And I lived in a conference. So I had this inner emotional psychological virus, you might say, 
that got triggered when I would meet someone I was really attracted to or in business, could potentially close a sale with someone I really wanted to sell, but I was intimidated by asking for the sale because my insecurity and fear kicked in and screwed up my communication. Like if I walked to a, a, up to a woman and that, you, you, you wouldn't want to dance with me, would you? And of course, <laughs> they say no. You turn around and you go back and say, never again. I'm never going to do that again. And you live your whole life not going after what you really want. So it's very insidious. So based on what you learned as a Zen monk, here's the question. Assertive confidence in everyday being, it's challenging because there's these ups and downs in your life, ups and downs of specific things. You could be on an all-time high and then go to a low and then the next call comes or the next thing happens. And you have to challenge yourself to kind of put that game face on and go through, even though in your body, you might not. So what kind of practices should, especially entrepreneurs, a lot of them listen to my program and business owners should, what, how can, especially the YouTube channel can bring a little bit more sort of confidence in their daily life. Like what things should we practice so that we do this? It can't be as easy as saying, okay, I'm confident now. Totally. <laughs> You're hundred percent right. That's why when I left the monastery and I missed, I lived there and I accessed what I call the Zen zone, that space of inner peace, tranquility, contentment. And then when I went into society, I missed women too much. I went back into society and I was a basket case. And I learned that unless you connect that inner peace and tranquility that a lot of people are after in the self-development world, unless you connect that with the emotional well-being, psychological well-being, physical well-being, financial well-being, connect so, uh, uh, relationship well-being, unless you connect all the dots, it's going to be limited. And that's why I created over the, I'm not saying this to sell it to you, but that's why I created this nine-step formula that connects all the dots. So if you actually work on yourself, part of it is mindset, not all of it. Part of it is changing your thoughts from negative to positive. Part of it's channeling your emotions. Part of it is getting clear on your vision, being crystal clear. Part of it is uh, being able to manage the challenges and obstacles. Well, they come our way. Like you said, you're up and you're down. Well, that's self-mastery, which is number six of my nine steps. And in the self-mastery, when you've worked on your inner fitness enough, when you worked on your actions and accountability in number five, now you're ready to take on the, I call them the scud missiles of life. They come your way, but you've learned to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and get back in the zone, back in the zone, and then communicate with assertiveness. So it's a Zen approach to communication. Uh, makes Yeah, absolute sense. Where can people find out? I mean, you're giving us this He's saying, okay, there's specific areas that everyone needs to work on. I don't think everyone has what you've created. Uh, if they did, everyone would be, you know, having a sort of confidence in everything in their lives. There's definitely areas that everyone does not have the right assertive confidence. So where can they can find info? Where's the best place? Is it purchasing a book or is it your course or what is it to learn those? Well, the best way is to go to my website, alanknight.com is my website. You'll get all the information there. If you want to buy my book, you can certainly go. It's on there. You can get it at Amazon, Mind Gone Wild. I have another one called Soulmate Revolution. If you want to book a call with me, I'm happy to do, a, as, as part of being on this show, a 45-minute complimentary x-ray assessment. No obligation. You don't have to take any coaching whatsoever. I'll show you exactly what's holding you back 
and, and then the strategy out of that so that you can turn that around within 60 to 90 days in a very powerful way. If you want to take coaching, you can. If you want to be a coach, we have now a certified coaching program where you not only, uh, you might be a coach and don't have a program or you might have a program that's different than mine. You might be interested in a certified coaching program. So alanknight.com would be the best place to get it. We appreciate it, Alan. Such great information. All right, take care. Thank you so much, Neil. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to Neil Haley Show, and my guest today is Ani Papazayan, and she is a highly experienced pain resolution specialist with close to three decades of expertise in the field, and I appreciated, Ani, you coming by, and uh, that's a huge thing, pain resolution. Can you define that for me? Hi, Neil. Great to be here. Yes. You know, one of the things people um, usually say, oh, so you do pain management. And when I hear that, I just like get this cringes. I say, I don't manage pain. I either resolve it or I don't. There is no management. That's what most doctors do. They manage your symptoms. They manage. So I get rid of body pain, chronic pain using different modalities, but don't manage it. And that's that's huge, okay, right? Because what it what it t- shows you is that w- if we're just going to say, you know, manage pain, the pain's never going to go away. And pain leads to so many more things. It's the it's the beginning process of your body shutting down, isn't it? Pain, uh, chronic pain. Wouldn't you agree? And that really deteriorating and not we're not doing the right things if we're feeling lots of pain. Yeah. And it's also your body's way of saying, hey, I need attention. Something's off. So it's a good thing. Exactly. And we wish that we can just, you know, when you go to a doctor, you come up with a laundry list of things that say, hey, I need I need help in this, need help in this, and this, this. I wish we can look at that. We all think that the older we get, the more we can be in pain, which is a, it's a shame, right? Well, that's one of the things, you know, when I go to... Um, bunch of networking events that when I start introducing myself, that's the first thing I say. I work with people that have been told their body pain is normal for their age because I can't tell you how many times I've heard from my patients saying, oh, as soon as I turned 40, the next day I woke up with this pain and that pain or saying, as soon as I turned 50, the next day I felt this pain. So it's like, yes, once we get older, you may feel pain, but it's because in our 20s and 30s, we just abuse our body because we can recover so much faster. And the analogy I use is, think of it putting the dust under the rug. It's going to be looking okay for a while, but and then after a while, you're going to see that little curve. It's the same thing, our body. There's only so much we can endure. So give me some tips that we should look at regarding trying to reduce pain and eliminate it. What should, what things should we look for? Well, one of the biggest things is, you know, regular like headaches, joint pains, muscle pain. You don't recover fast enough that you used to. Or the biggest thing is, as you know, is the inflammation, having a systemic inflammation sugar cravings there's like so many 
things that you can look for. But the biggest thing is the inflammation. And I love to start with your eating habits. You know, your eating habits, even if you go exercise, you know, do all the stuff using the clean products and things like that. But when you're not putting the right stuff in your body and you're just adding, you know, what they call the thing into the fires, yeah, um, then it's, you know, you're burning from both ends. Right. And it's so many different things that are not told. We always put ourselves on a medication versus, and that's the great thing of working with an organization like Patient World, that we're really looking for other alternative solutions for 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 patients. And that's an amazing thing. We're going to talk about the summit in a second. But I, I mean, I, I think you're right, proper dieting. And I, I'm I'm on my way at certain times, other ways not. Exercising, and it could be even walking, but really keeping yourself active but ultimately monitoring your body for pain. Monitoring, if you see certain things are not right, we can make these changes. We can change things uh, at an older age. It doesn't mean we just have to go to the doctor and say, ah, doc, you know, a lot of people, oh, okay, I'm dealing with all that. I'm just going to go take these meds. No, let's figure out ways that we can get eliminate, gone. And that's where I hope medicine goes someday, right? Ani, that we get to this point where it's no longer about putting a Band-Aid on something. Hey, I got a pill for your anxiety. Hey, I got a pill for this. I got a pill for that. We have a solution to eliminate it. That's my hope. Um, believe me, mine too. My goal is that's why my new direction in my business, you know, for almost three decades, I've been working one-on-one. -on -one, but in the last couple of years, it's all about, I want to do more speaking, get on podcasts, on summits, to share the message that, you should never learn to live with pain. I love using this quote, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. It, yeah, and, it, totally. You know, knowing self-help techniques, that's what I love. Like um, a few months ago, one of my clients, I woke up in the morning and um, she sent me email saying, my 14-year-old son woke me up in the morning with uh, early middle of the night with neck pain. She goes, I remember the couple of the techniques you taught me. I walked him through and they worked. She was so excited and so proud of herself. So imagine if you know some self-help techniques that you can use right away. And so that discomfort never converts into an actual pain. That's, that's fantastic. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Those things are the great things. Uh, I have a client that is able to eliminate concussions and, and stop the things. And it's, that's what I want. I want, I desire to work with people that are changing and transforming lives like Dr. Hester, not looking at the patient as, okay, this is, we just have to treat the problem, but we're not just, we're treating it. We're not eliminating it. And that's what you look for. And so you're excited about the summit coming up. Tell us a little about the summit, how excited you are about the patient world summit and what you're going to be speaking. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. Oh my God. I, I honestly, I didn't even know I was going to be in there when I was talking with Dr. Hester. I thought uh, we were setting up a uh, zoom call and then uh, she's like, Oh no, you're going to be like in a summit. You're going to be doing uh, your talk. And it was so much fun. I'm so looking forward to it. And I can't wait to hear other um, contributors, other speakers, you know, like there's so many people out there that truly genuinely want to help 
you know, giving their time, their, um, their gifts to the world. All we have to do is just um, find people and put it out there so people can hear that message. And the best place is go to patientworld.net to find out when the summit is. And you're going to be speaking your signature talk. And what is your signature talk on? It's on empowering your journey to pain-free living, where I actually share a couple of self-help techniques that you can, as soon as you watch the video, you can use it and see the results right away. All right. We appreciate it. Best place people can find information on you is go where? Um, my website, Last Stop for Pain, and four is the numeric four. And I do have some free resources people can download and have access to it. So, yes. We appreciate you coming by. Great information. And you really are telling us exactly what we need to do to finally eliminate plant pain. Appreciate it, Ani. Thank you so much, Neil. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back here. The Toss C3 Podcast. I'm excited to welcome the founder of Toss C3, Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing fantastic, Neil. Looking forward to today's topics. Oh, I'm excited. And the first topic we're going to cover today is Spino. Beware of this Android Trojan that records audio and phone calls. Uh, basically, according to this came again from HackerNews.com, the Android banking Trojan known as Spynote has been dissected to reveal its diverse information gathering features, typically spread on SMS phishing campaigns, which we talked about. Lots of people always click on specifically text messages, attack chains involving the spyware trick potential victims in installing the app by clicking on embedded link, according to F-Secure. That's scary, right? That this is a, a, a way that, that they're uh, going ahead, ahead and recording information that really can be that personal information to hack into anything. You know, it really is. But, you know, just before we jump in on Spynote, let, let's not forget everybody that Siri uh, and Alexa, et cetera, et cetera, they're always on and they're not considered to be malware because they come with your phone. So let's just uh, let's put the thing straight, right? Uh, yeah, totally. Everything's always listening regardless of where you are. So just, just remember that. Uh, but yes, you know, it's amazing, right? I bet you, you know, Apple's doing backflips right now, you know, just knowing about this Spino, because they're always saying how they're unhackable and, you know, you can't get Trojans and malware and all that stuff on iOS, which isn't true. And we talked about that a number of times that's, that's been proven, but yeah, the Spino thing is amazing. And, you know, not only is it coming in, you know, as you're talking about through the banking and so on, but it's, you know, they had some issues in areas that I saw in Italy, for example, you know, when we had that emergency broadcast alert, uh, yeah. 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 So they're saying that there were fake IT type public alerts in Italy that went on that, you know, if you went, the visitors went there, it would be stealing their information and dropping on this spy note onto their system, you know, as a public address, um, you know, promoting civil protection, you know, which is uh, just kind of an amazing way how people are doing it. You know, also other areas, which is important for kids, you know, there are some other areas, you know, like games. Um, some of the different, uh, you know, screen type uh, savers and, and games and things that they can use um, are also pre-infected if you're not grabbing, you know, the real one. So it's really important to make sure if you're at the Play Store or if you're at the, uh, the Apple Store, um, you know, that you be very diligent about where you're going, 
and what you're what you're getting. You know, another thing that people really should take a real heat of, you know, I know we're, it's not specific to Spino, but it could be a way to get it, is when people go to Google and they do a search for something and they get that giant list of stuff, um, so many of the uh, URLs that you're given look like what they should be. And my recommendation always is to hand type in the URL once you find the company that you want. And the reason for that is that we've talked about it in the past. You know, the Cyrillic alphabet has lots of ways to hide uh, characters that look exactly like, um, you know, English, Arab, you know, standard characters. 